if you can't sit at dinner with your family without checking your phone, it ain't your phone. There's something else going in your life. By the way, this is totally autobiographical. I had this problem. I talk about this story with my daughter where the reason I knew I had to write this book was that I'm embarrassed to admit to you, I would play with my daughter on more than one occasion and I take out my phone when I'm with my kid. I mean, how awful is that? And I wish I could tell you it was Facebook and my phone doing it to me. It wasn't. It was because I was escaping from something that I was uncomfortable with. This is episode number 71 of The Inspiring Talk with Neer Iyal. Welcome guys to The Inspiring Talk. My name is Vijay Gautam. I'm host for this show. Each week I interview today's most successful and inspiring personalities to help you realize your inner potential. Dear listener, in today's world, we all are distracted to some extent. Some of us are severely distracted and we barely get to accomplish anything in a day, while the rest of us are struggling to be more productive and focused in our work. We often blame the technology and never-ending notifications and feeds of our social media platforms. But my guest today, Neer Eyal, a Wall Street Journal best-selling author of the book Hooked, argues that your phone is not the cause for distraction. It's something else. It's something within you. On his new book, Indistractable, Neer talks about how you can control your attention and choose your life. Being someone who is constantly trying to improve my productivity, I have found Neer's ideas very fascinating and practical. Talking about Neer, he is a best-selling author of the book Hooked, where he talks about how companies can build a habit-forming products to keep us hooked on our screens. And with his new book, Indistractable, he shares how we can unhook ourselves from the technology and focus on things that matters the most to us. He is also an entrepreneur and investor in companies like Eventbrite, Refresh.io, acquired by LinkedIn, Anchor.fm, acquired by Spotify, Product Hunt, and my favorite distraction-free virtual co-working platform, Focusmate, among others. On our conversation, we talk about how these online products get us hooked, the root cause of distraction, how you can avoid being distracted and achieve your biggest dreams, the indistractable principles, and a lot more. You are in for a real treat today, my friend. Make sure that you subscribe to this podcast if you haven't done that already so that you won't miss some of the amazing conversations that I have on this show. Now, let's dive in. Neer, it's an honor to have you here. Welcome to the show. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Neer, I have been following your work and reading your articles, and I wish I could have completed reading all your blogs, but uh, you do write a lot. There's a lot up there. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's been, what is it now, uh, 
uh, 11 years of writing. So you've got a lot wow. to catch up on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a lot to catch up on. But, uh, you know, whatever I could read, just go through your talks and stuff. And I'm very fascinated. And uh, especially with the new book that you are coming with, which is indistractable. And I, I would say that you came, uh, I came across you on the right time in my life because I'm finding it very, very difficult to focus on my work and, you know, being distracted. So yeah. that's where we are going to spend the majority of our time today. But before moving into that, I want to talk a bit about, because, you know, we are in this age where we are surrounded by technology and, you know, dings and rings and pings, if I can use your phrase. How does this habit-forming products or these products are designed to, you know, get the users hooked? So maybe you want to talk a bit about that and then... Uh, we'll take it from there. Sure, yeah. So my first book, Hooked, was really about the psychology of how products are made to be engaging. So it's about the deeper psychology behind how products like Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and WhatsApp and Slack and Snapchat, how do these products keep us coming back? How do they form consumer habits? And the idea was that, you know, I didn't work for those companies. Those, that's, that's not who I wrote the book for. Uh, these techniques have been used for years and years by these companies. My idea was, wouldn't it be great if we could democratize these techniques? What if we could build the kind of products and services that people use because they wanted to, not because they had to? I mean, imagine at your business, right? If, if, if uh, whatever product or service you're making out there, if you didn't have to spend gobs of money in advertising to get people to remember to use your product? What if people didn't need to be sent all the spammy messaging to remind them? What if they used the product on their own? Wouldn't that be amazing? What would that do to your bottom line? What would that do to customer satisfaction? What would that do to people's lives in terms of improving their well-being if they could use the products because they wanted to, not because they had to? And so that was really the motivation behind writing Hooked was to teach these methodologies so that we can create healthy habits in people's lives. Uh, and that's exactly what's happened in the five years since the book has been published. Uh, by the way, one of the, the, one of the top markets for the book has been India. A lot of people in India are using the book for, uh, building healthy habits, which is amazing. I'm so happy to see it. Uh, people are building products to help people exercise more, to get into the exercise habit, to eat more healthfully, to save money, to make, uh, education more engaging. And so I've been really fortunate over the past several years to watch many of these companies uh, become successful. Many of them have actually asked me to become an investor in, in these companies, which is terrific because it's, it's always nice to do well by doing good. And so that's, that was really the motivation behind Hooked. Was, was, you know, that was never for the, the, the Facebooks of the world and the YouTubes of the world. It was for the, the little companies out there trying to improve people's lives through healthy habits. Um, so that's, that's the backstory behind Hooked. Yeah, I think it's, a, it's a interesting that you say uh, the whole motivation behind writing Hooked was to help, uh, you know, the product and services out there who are trying to make people's life better, whether that's to exercise or whether that's to uh, help people eat better or whether like the companies that you have invested, for example, Focusmate, I recently yeah. came across that company and I absolutely love that product. Good. Uh, and, uh, you know, I think I have done seven, eight sessions now, but I think I'm trying to just, you know, make that a habit and at least do five to six sessions a day. And I think, yeah, it's it's a very interesting. So how this thing works behind the scene or what is that, you know, psychology that these, yeah. uh, you know, 
product designers or let's say this Facebooks and Twitter and you know Instagram are using to actually get us hooked on this program so that you know my listeners understand what actually the people out there designing this uh, you know product and softwares want us to do and how they are able to get so much of our attention uh, in using the product and services that they, they have designed yeah so I'll walk you through very quickly a 30,000 foot view of what's called the hooked model So the hook sure. model has these four basic steps of a trigger, an action, a reward, and finally an investment. And it's through successive cycles through these hooks that customer preferences are shaped, that our tastes are formed, and that our habits take hold. So I'll walk you through these these four basic steps. So every hook starts with a trigger. A trigger is some kind of call to action. It tells us what to do next. And we have two types of triggers. We have external triggers which are all the pings, dings, rings, and things in our environment that tell us what to do next. And then we have internal triggers. So these are cues from within us that prompt us to some kind of action that tell us what to do next. And these internal triggers are the real linchpin of a habit-forming product because they attach to an uncomfortable sensation. So when we're feeling bored, we might check YouTube or Reddit or stock prices or sports scores. When we're Uh, uncertain, we Google. When we are lonely, we check Facebook. So all of these products and services, fundamentally, when they form a consumer habit, they attach to an uncomfortable emotional state. And we'll get back to how this relates to becoming indistractable because turns out that without having that uncomfortable emotional state, there's nothing for them to attach to. There's no fertile ground for them to form a habit. And so that's really the Achilles heel of stopping these unwanted distractions is to understand what your internal trigger is. So we'll get back to that in a minute. But for now, in terms of building habit-forming products, uh, hopefully you're, you know, if you're listening out there and you are building a product and you want to build a healthy habit, you too need to attach the use of the product to some kind of uncomfortable emotional state. That's the internal trigger. So uh, let's take Facebook as an example or, or Instagram or any number of, of these social services. You know, when you're feeling bored or lonely, you're looking for something for relief. It might be a television, it might be radio in a previous generation, it might be a novel, whatever. You're looking for relief from your from your boredom. And so for many people, it's when you feel that sensation, you open up an app. Now, the next step of the hook is the action phase. And the action phase is defined as the simplest behavior done in anticipation of a reward. The simplest thing you can do to get relief from that discomfort. Open an app, scroll a feed, Uh, push a play button. All of these things are very simple things to do that provide relief, immediate relief for that discomfort. And of course, the easier something is to do, the more likely people are to do it. So there's a probably the biggest section of Hooked is really about how do you make the product as easy as possible to use in this critical action phase. The next step of the hook is to give the user what they came for, to scratch the user's itch. And this is called the reward phase. And it's not just about a reward. It's it's specifically about a variable reward, about some kind of uncertainty, some kind of mystery, some kind of intermittent reinforcement that keeps the user checking and checking. And that's kind of the rocket fuel of these hooks is the uncertainty. Now we see this all over the place, right? Uh, uh, yeah. Facebook and Google didn't invent uh, variable rewards. This was studied by B.F. Skinner, uh, you know, back in the 1940s. It's what makes news interesting, right? Nobody wants yesterday's news. The first three letters of news is new. People want today's news, what they don't know. That's what's interesting. It's what makes yeah. a book exciting. It's what makes romance romantic. It's what makes watching a sports match interesting. The unknown, uncertainty is is the lifeblood of these hooks. 
And then finally, and most importantly, is the investment phase. The investment phase is where you put something into the product in anticipation of some kind of future benefit. And that can come in the form of data, content, followers, reputation, anything that makes the product better and better with use and makes it more likely for you to come back in the future. And so it's through successive cycles through these hooks, trigger, action, reward, investment. This is how people get hooked, uh, hopefully to healthy habits. And then, of course, if we want to break unhealthy habits, we need to break these hooks. And that's what Indistractable is all about. It's about how do we put these distractions in their place? How do we make sure we can get the best out of technology without letting it get the best of us? I love uh, this model. And uh, I can absolutely relate to what you are saying about being on that discomfortable situation. And when you have this work in front of you, and it sounds overwhelming, and it looks overwhelming that ah, it's so difficult, how, how am I going to do this work? And boom, here's the phone. Okay, let me check the Instagram. <laughs> and it's, it's because it's easy, right? I mean, the work that I'm doing right now, or the presentation that I'm making, or maybe the report that I'm making, or the book that I'm writing, that looks very difficult and the easy one would be just to and the, i think that's the internal trigger that you have that's wow right. it's so dis- yeah i mean it's a very discomforting and okay instagram and there you go that's that's the accent that you're talking about yeah. right and yeah. and i'm like going and looking at the feeds and all these exotic you know images of all these different people doing amazing vacation and stuff like that and okay cool wow and awesome that, that, mm-hmm. that I, I think yeah, i mean that's the loop so when I'm looking at this, uh, you know, cycle that you have created, can we use the same cycle to create, like, uh, as you have already said, like, you know, it's about the great habit forming, but other than product or services, can we hack the same system or use the same system to develop the habit on ourselves? Like, can we set some triggers to, for example, let's say I want to go for a walk next morning or I want to start running from tomorrow morning. Can we use this kind of trigger? So the trigger could be just putting my shoes near my bed. And then the moment I step down and there is my running shoes waiting for me. Do you do you sure. think like this? This could also be the hack for the yeah um, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of there. You know, the, the research that a lot of us cite has been done for a, a very long time now. So if you look at any kind of you know habit formation loop, there, there's a lot of similarities between uh, you know a trigger, an action, a reward. Hooked is specifically written for product people. Mm-hmm. I wrote it for people who are building products and services mostly facilitated by technology. I mean, we have so much opportunity now because we are in people's pockets. We have so much opportunity now to change their behavior for good, to help them live better lives. And so that, that was really the focus of Hooked was really about technology-mediated habit formation. But when it comes to personal habit change, sure, you can use many of these these same techniques. You don't need as much specificity as I provide in Hooked you know, the variable reward doesn't become as important. You don't need investment yeah. like you would with a product. Uh, so you, it's a bit of overkill, frankly, if you bought Hooked as a personal behavior change book. Uh, you know, I only write books that I can't otherwise find. I mean, I've, I've had all kinds of ideas for things that I've been, you know, curious to to explore and maybe write a book about. But then when I start doing research, I find, oh my gosh, somebody's written a terrific book on this. I don't need to write a book on this. Somebody's already done it. And so I only write books that I could not otherwise find. And so when I was looking for a book on how to build habit-forming products, I couldn't find one. There was no such yeah. book. And so I wrote Hooked. And when it came to Indistractable, I, wrote a, I wanted to write a book about the psychology of distraction. I wanted an answer to why don't we do what we know we should do. And I didn't, I didn't find that book either. Part of 
I guess there is one thing I wanted to mention when it came to your question. I think there's kind of a a fetish around habits recently. I think a lot of people don't understand the difference between a habit and a routine. And they get into some trouble here and they try and make everything a habit. And I think a lot of, to to blame the self-help industry a bit, you know, a lot of gurus out there have been saying how, oh, you can make anything into a habit. Sure, just make it a habit and it'll it'll happen. You'll do it every day without much thought. And that's not true. It is simply not true. And in fact, it backfires when we tell people it's true and then it doesn't work and they blame themselves. They think that there's something wrong with them. And Mm. we really need to understand the difference between a habit and a routine. A habit is a behavior done with little or no conscious thought. So if I were to tell you, um, hey, you know what? I'd really like to make journaling. Mm-hmm. I want to journal every day. Can yeah. I turn that into a habit? No, you can't. Because journaling is not something you do with little or no conscious thought. That is, if it's any good. Yeah. I mean, if you write blah, 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 then, you know, of course, that's easy. You can write B-L-A-H a <laughs> hundred times with little or no conscious thought. But if journaling requires thought, yeah. deliberation, focus, reflection, then actually, no, it can't be done out of habit. Mm. It needs to be a routine. The definition of a routine is simply a behavior frequently repeated. Mm. And so there's a big difference there. And we don't want to get into trouble because what happens is people say, oh, I want to make something into a habit, like brushing my teeth. Brushing your teeth is something you can do with little or no conscious thought. So they think, oh, I want to make writing every day into a habit. Writing is really hard. Believe me, I've written two books. It's very, very hard. It is not something you would do uh, as easily as you brush your teeth. But then people start doing something that they think, oh, why can't I turn this into a habit? I have a trigger action reward, right? I read a book about habits and it yeah. told me how to do it. Why can't I turn it into a habit? You can't turn it into a habit because it doesn't fit the definition of a habit. Yeah. So habits were great for personal development change as long as they are really habits yeah. <laughs> and not something you have to do a lot of deliberative, conscious, reflective thought over. I do journal as well, and habit is something that happens automatically, right? I mean, I have to push myself every day to open the journal and write the thoughts, and I think, right. uh, and that couldn't be habit. If it's habit, then that needs to happen automatically right. or without. For example, waking and, and up, the, yeah. The important point here is that it's not just semantics. It's not just, oh, what's the big deal, near? It's a habit, it's a routine, who cares? The, the reason this is so important is because when people think something is going to be as easy as a habit and it's never going to be as easy a, as a habit, they quit. Whereas I think if yeah. you go into it thinking, hey, this isn't a habit, it's never going to be a habit. It's a routine and it's okay that it's hard. That's okay. Yeah. Uh, it's just a difference of, of mindset. Yeah, I think that's very important just to have that understanding. I mean, I have been in that space as well where I realized like I have done, for instance, meditation for so many days and and suddenly, you know, there is a week I haven't meditated and I'm like, what just happened? I have done it for so many days. Great example. Yeah. Great example. Yeah. I meditated for a full year, 365 days. It never became a habit because it never will become a habit. Meditation, if you are doing it correctly, should be hard. Like the only kind of meditation that's easy is when you're asleep. (laughs) Right? Yeah. Because the point of meditation is to be constantly aware of the present moment. That is the antithesis of a behavior done with little or no conscious thought. If you zone out into your thoughts, you're not really meditating anymore, are you? (laughs) True, true. But if you think, oh my gosh, this should be so easy. Why am I not getting it? Because you'll never make it into a habit. It should always stay a routine. And that's fine. Yeah. As long as you don't beat yourself up thinking, you know, it's it's uh, putting a round peg in a square hole if you if you use the wrong technique for the, the right behavior. Yeah. Awesome. 
So Neer, with your first book, you wanted to help product designers to design the product or services that can get audiences' attention or you know get them hooked on their product. And with this book now, you are giving a solution to the user saying that, hey, how not to get distracted and you know be indistractable, uh, right? Mm-hmm. So how did this idea of uh, indistractable originated? And what, what was that point where you felt I need to start researching or maybe, you know, think about writing a book on this. Yeah, so it really was, uh, uh, you know, back to why I wrote Hooked, it was a book I didn't find. And uh, so with with Indistractable, I had a problem. I found that I was frequently distracted and uh, I didn't know why. Uh, it's, I mean, if you think of it, take a step back here. Why do we do things we know we shouldn't do? Yeah. You know, if if some if you were working on a very important project and somebody comes up to you and interrupts you or, you know, there's there's something that that stops you from something you really enjoy doing that you really want to do, you'd be very upset. And yet we distract ourselves all the time. We allow ourselves to be taken off track all the time. Why? And so that was a really interesting question because you know, what I found was when it came to personal development topics, we basically all know what to do. Let's be honest here, yeah. right? Do we really think that people don't know how to lose weight? Give me a break. <laughs> we all know that eating a chocolate cake is not as healthy as eating a nice healthy salad. Who doesn't know that? Everybody knows that. We all know cigarettes are bad for us. If you don't know in this day and age that cigarettes are bad for you, you've been living in a cave. Uh, we all know that if you want better relationships, you have to be fully present and patient with people around you, right? That's how you have a better relationship with people. We know it. We know at our jobs, right? How do you become better at your job? Do what you say you're going to do. Show up. Be persistent. Uh, you know, that's, that's what it takes and just keep doing it. We know these things. Why don't we do these things? And so that's a topic that I just, I didn't see an answer for. I didn't see an answer for this question that it turns out once I started my research, Socrates and Plato asked 2,500 years ago. They came up with this term, akrasia which is this tendency that we have to do things against our better interests. And there was no great answer for it. (laughs) And so I wanted to provide, for the first time, a visual representation of why we get distracted and what to do about it. Because it turns out it's not good enough to just do the right things. Because by and large, we know what the right things are. It's just as important, if not more important, to make sure we don't do the wrong things. And so that's what Indistractable is all about. How do we make sure that we do the things we want to do as opposed to the things that take us off track, that take us away from living the best possible life? Now let's uh, then dive into this. And as I said earlier, when I'm working on some project, my work starts feeling overwhelming. And I I, I am now there in a discomfortable position and then I need a quick mm-hmm. fix. Uh, social media is pretty much like a drug, right? You know, that just give you a quick high and then you just are out of that comfortable situation. So what is that root cause for this kind of distractions, whether that's uh, internal or, you know, external? What's causing that distraction? Yeah, so let me first paint a picture for everyone listening uh, of what the indistractable model looks like. And I want you to really visualize this so that you can understand it. Uh, Whenever you get distracted, I want you to take out this representation so you know what to do about it. You can help others learn about it. So here's what I want you to do. Picture in your mind a horizontal line. And at each ends of this line, you have arrows pointing to the right and pointing to the left. To the right, 
is traction. Traction is any action moving you towards what you want, things you do with intent. The opposite of traction is distraction. You'll notice that both traction and distraction end in the same word. They both end in the word action. They actually both come from the same Latin root, trahare, which means to pull. So traction is action that you take that moves you towards what you want. The opposite of traction, distraction, these are actions that move you away from what you really want to do. So you've got a, a line, right is traction, left is distraction. Now I want you to imagine a vertical line that bisects the horizontal line, like a plus mark, okay? Now the vertical line, you've got two arrows pointing into the center, okay? The center of the plus mark. Now, these two lines represent what moves your actions. Your actions, again, can move towards traction or distraction. What moves your actions are either internal triggers or external triggers. Now, we talked about that earlier when we talked about Hooked. So this is where kind of what I, the research I did with Hooked blends into Indistractable because if you master these four things, if you master your internal triggers, make time for traction, hack back the external triggers, and prevent distraction with pacts, you will be indistractable. That's the four basic steps. Now, few things here. You have to use all four, and you have to use them in order. So there are some techniques that we might discuss here that you might be familiar with. The problem is that if you do them in the wrong order, they not only will they not work, Many of them will actually backfire. They will make things worse for you. So you have to start in the right order. The first step, the most important step, is to master the internal triggers. Because as you kind of alluded to, distraction starts from within. This is something that I had to learn uh, when I wrote this book that was not obvious at first. You know, we like to blame the pings, dings, and rings, and Facebook, and YouTube, and the television, and all these things doing it to us. True. But in reality... That's some of the, the distractions, but in reality, in our day-to-day -day lives, a much more frequent source of distraction are these internal triggers, these uncomfortable emotional states. So if we're going to answer the question of why do we get distracted, we have to go actually a layer deeper, right? Let's start with really first principles, not just why do we get distracted, why do we do anything? Most people will tell you that the seat of motivation is really about the desire for pleasure, and the avoidance of pain. Carrots and sticks. Turns out, it's not true. Hmm. That neurologically speaking, it's pain all the way down. Everything we do, every action you take every day is spurred by a desire to escape discomfort. Even the desire for pleasure is itself uncomfortable. There's a reason we say love hurts wanting, craving is uncomfortable. So we feel this physiologically, right? If we're cold, we put on a coat. If we're hot, we take it off. If we're hungry, we eat. If we're stuffed, we stop eating. So those are physiological responses. Same goes for psychological responses, right? If, as I mentioned earlier, if you're lonely, you check Facebook or Instagram. If you're bored, you watch YouTube. If you're uncertain, you Google. These are all psychological states that we seek to escape. So what that means is that if all behavior is spurred by a desire to escape discomfort, that means that time management 
is pain management. That if we are not doing what we say we should do, a big part of it is because we do not know how to respond to our discomfort in a healthier manner. So there's only two things we can do to master internal triggers. We can either change the source of the problem or we can learn to cope with that discomfort in a healthier manner. So a big chunk of the book is about how to cope with this discomfort, but a good chunk of the book is about how do you change your circumstances, right? You can't just meditate all day. That's about coping with discomfort. And actually in the book I say in the very beginning, I'm not going to tell I'm not going to recommend meditation, not because meditation doesn't work. It does work for a lot of people. But if it if it works for you, keep doing it. If it doesn't work for you, as it didn't eventually for me, I needed something else. And so part of what you have to do is actually get up, do something, and change your circumstances. A big part of the source of distraction, this is probably my favorite section of the book, is about how certain workplaces cause distraction because of a cultural dysfunction. We blame Slack, we blame email, we blame our phones. Really, it's the sick company culture that is perpetuated at many companies today that is the real root cause of the problem. So sometimes we need to change the source of the discomfort. Other times we need to learn techniques to cope with this discomfort. That's the first and most important step. Putting the blame on the technology and saying that my phone is like distracting me a lot. And I tried like putting all the notification off on my phone like not a single app sends me a notifications there is no things and dings and stuff like that other than phone call and you know sms's but still i realized that i'm still going and checking the phone and if it was yes. phone then you know because there was no any notifications that i was you know getting but still it's the odds i had within me and i think that odds came from me trying to avoid the work that is in front of me because it looks difficult and it's discomforting. That's right? right. That's exactly right. And so this is a terrific example of how that's a good technique. I actually recommend the third step of becoming indistractable is how do you hack back these external triggers, right? And so we can do this on our phones. We can do this on our computer. We can do this in our physical environments. Lots of things we can do to hack back those external triggers. But if you do the right thing in the wrong order, it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, so that's why we have order? to first. Yeah. So the order is number one, master these internal mm-hmm. triggers, right? Either fix the source of the discomfort or learn methods to cope. Um, okay. Yeah. And so some, uh, just a quick uh, heads up to the listeners. I'll just uh, list the model that, uh, you know, Neer is saying in the description. So just tap on the description. You will see these four arrows that, you know, Neer is saying so that, you know, you can understand better what he's yeah. trying to explain. Yeah, please go ahead. Absolutely. Yeah, there's a there's a nice graphic that I kind of explained, but will be better to actually see yeah. it. So that, that would be yeah. helpful. So the first step is to master these internal triggers, because as you said, you know, distraction starts from within. The second step is to make time for traction, that a big part of why people find themselves so, quote unquote, distracted throughout their day, uh, as I was before I wrote this book, and I figured it out, is that we don't make time to do the things that are actually important to us. So a big part of it, this is to is to turn your values into time. A lot of us, like I did, you know, we talk a good game. You say, what's most important to you? Oh, my family is very, very important to me. Oh, and my health is very important to me. Oh, that's very, very important. Well, if I looked at your calendar, could I see that that is one of your values? Is it on your calendar? And so that's very, very important. So that's the first step there when it comes to this category of of making time for traction. But then also syncing our schedules. This is a really important part. I talk about these three life domains of time you spend on yourself, time you spend on your relationships, and time you spend in the workplace. 
and how we have to synchronize our schedules with the stakeholders in our life. It's, it's ridiculous, you know, particularly at work. We have these uh, expectations from our bosses and we trade our time for money. And we get all these expectations put on us, right? I want you to do this, this, this. People put stuff on their to-do list all day long. But then there's no accounting for the time it takes to actually do those things. And so I teach you how to do that. How do you start to live with integrity around knowing what you will able be able to do every day? And how do you synchronize this with your with the stakeholders in your life, like your boss, like your relationships? Uh, so that's that's all about the second step of making time for traction. The third step is to hack back these external triggers, right? This is where we get into some real practical tips around how we hack back distraction with these external triggers, these pings, dings, and rings. We talked about, you know, on the computer or on your phone, but some of the most pernicious forms of distraction actually come from the workplace environment, right? How many of us work in open office floor plans where people, hey, how you doing? Hey, you want to talk for a minute? Yeah. That's really distracting. <laughs> so I tell you how to deal with that. Actually, every copy of my book, Indistractable, comes with a screen sign in the middle of the book. It's this red cardstock that you pull out of the book, you fold it in thirds, and you literally put it on your monitor, you're on your screen, so people can see when you are indistractable, to send that very clear message to hack back those external triggers and say, I can't be bothered right now, I'm indistractable, please come back later. That's a really great hack. Exactly. And wearing headphones isn't good enough. Oh, yeah. wear headphones. Now, no, 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 that doesn't work. They don't know if you're listening to a podcast or listening to music, so they bother you still. You know that happens. So we have to be very explicit about that. And then the last step is about how do we prevent distraction with pacts? How do we make these pre-commitments to bind ourselves to do what we want to do in the future? And so one disclaimer there, this is that fourth step you have to do last. If you do it prematurely, it will backfire and you will regret it. <laughs> so that's probably the most dangerous of the four steps. It's only something you do. That's like the advanced step uh, that you have to do last. But it, in short, it's these four steps. Master internal triggers is number one. Make time for traction is number two. Hack back external triggers is number three. And then finally, prevent distraction with packs. And of course, I'm just giving you the, the overview, a lot more depth, a lot more tactics for what to actually do in, in the book, of course, but happy to go into more depth now as well. If you can give some tools or maybe, you know, some ideas around like how does one master the internal triggers, right? How do I really, you know, control those triggers? One of the things like, you know, Focusmate really helps me is because there is this another guy and I just can't stand out of my computer and just, you know, pull my phone and because there is another guy who is looking at me, right? So I think th- those are the some of the products, but is there anything that I can do to just, you know, hack or take care of the internal triggers? Yeah, yeah. So you, you mentioned Focusmate. So Focusmate is this company that I invested yeah. in. It's uh, it's fantastic. It's actually, that's the step four, the pre-commitment, okay. right? Where you make yeah. a pact with another person. You say, at this time, I will be here ready to work with you. Uh, it's it's this. It's kind of like, for those of you who, who haven't used it, Focusmate is kind of like chat roulette. You get to see another person uh, for a certain period of time, but it's like professional chat roulette. Yeah. It's not all the, the nasty stuff that used to happen on chat roulette. <laughs> oh. uh, well, yeah, for, I mean, for, I love that for part as well. Like, you know, how professional people yeah. are. They just don't talk any anything else than business. Yeah. They're just it's, like, it's like literally yeah. 30 seconds. Hey, my name is Nier. I'm working on such and such. Go. Yeah, go, yeah. <laughs> and, but, and just that that commitment. I think the most powerful part is that someone is waiting for you. And if you don't show up, they're going to give you a bad review, mm. right? So that's super important to show up on time. But that's a pack. That's a pre-commitment. That's the fourth step. You're talking about the very first step, which is about managing these internal triggers. True. 
So the best thing you can do to remove these internal triggers is to figure out why you feel them in the first place, mm -hmm. right? Uh, if you can't sit at dinner with your family without checking your phone, mm -hmm. it ain't your phone. There's something else going in your life. By the way, this is totally autobiographical. I had this problem. I talk about this story with my daughter yeah. where the reason I knew I had to write this book was that I'm embarrassed to admit to you. I would play with my daughter on more than one occasion and I take out my phone when I'm with my kid. I mean, how awful is that? And I wish I could tell you it was Facebook and my phone doing it to me. It wasn't. It was because I was escaping from something that I was uncomfortable with. So either fix the source of the problem, figure out what's going on in your life that you're trying to escape. Maybe it's an uncomfortable work environment. Maybe it's other issues in your life. But get real about what's going on in your life and tackle that as the root cause or you're always going to get distracted by something, whether it's too much internet, too much alcohol, too much whatever, TV, Netflix, you're going to get distracted if you don't deal with that root cause. Or, you know, there are lots of things in life that we just need to deal with the day-to-day -day discomfort of being a human being. So for those tech, for those times, we can do three things, very practical things. We can reimagine the trigger. We can reimagine the task or we can reimagine our temperament. So within each of those, there are very, very practical things that you can do to help you manage and master these internal triggers. So for example, I'll give you a very practical tip. Um, when I experience one of these internal triggers, which I experience every single day, I'm just as human as anybody else, even though I've written this book, I still get tempted to get distracted all the time. So here's what I do. Instead of getting distracted, I use what's called the 10 minute rule. Okay which says that I can give in to any distraction in 10 minutes. So I'm busy writing and then ugh, it's starting to get a little hard and I'm getting tired and I'm starting to think about my email inbox. Yeah. And right before I go check my email inbox, I say, whoop, wait a minute, hmm. I'm getting distracted. This is not what I plan to do with my time. And I say, yep, I can check email in 10 minutes. Okay. And just that 10, you know, it's not saying, no, you can't. Yeah. It's not being moralistic. It's like, you're a bad boy. Mm -hmm. You did something wrong. I'm not shaming myself. I'm saying you can give into that distraction if you want to in 10 minutes. And what that allows me to do is to ride out that sensation. This is what psychologists call surfing the urge. It allows you that 10 minutes of time to say, okay, I'm feeling bored. I'm feeling fatigued. I'm feeling uncertain. And I'm looking for escape from that feeling. And just that 10 minutes, you would be amazed how, you know, even in a few seconds, that sensation, that urge to escape can dissipate if you don't give into it right away. If you learn to practice this, this technique of the 10 minute rule. Now I'm just giving you one practical tidbit here. There's a lot more, but this is one of the ones I use almost every single day. In similar case, like for example, let's say somebody want to start and exercise. I want to exercise. And and if you say, I'm going to be there at the gym for 90 minutes and stuff like that, and it, it's very unlikely that you can make that commitment for the 90 straight minutes, right? But if you say, oh, I'll just go around and, you know, I'll just walk and be there and maybe do a, f a few sets. And then there you are, you know, once you are inside there, then, you yeah. know, you end up yeah. doing it a lot more. So I think, yeah, I, I love that. Yeah, right. Solving the odds. Yeah. So it's, it's really about, you know, one of my mantras is consistency over intensity, 100%. Consistency over intensity. That's, you know, how many people, oh, I'm going to go work out and I'm going to go on a fad diet. And no, no fast food for 30 days or whatever it might be. 
And that stuff never yeah. works, right? It's really about consistency. It's about, you know, doing a little bit every day. That's how you get in shape. That's how you build relationships. That's how you do great work. Uh, that's how you live your best life is being consistent, not necessarily being intense. So do you think? For yeah, a short period. Yeah, time. absolutely. So do you really think like people in internet era are more distracted than ever? That's a really good question. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think so, actually. I think that it is part of the human condition to seek escape, right? That if all behavior is motivated by a desire to escape discomfort, there has always been distractions. There has always been. I mean, again, Socrates and Plato talked about it 2,500 years ago. That's not new. The human desire is not new. What is new is the fact that we have the ability to get distracted in our pockets yeah. all the time. Yeah. <laughs> so if you are looking for distraction, if you do not know these techniques, let me tell you, they're going to get you. There will be two types of people in the world. There will be people who allow their lives and their attention to constantly be manipulated by others, not just tech companies, although they will get you as well, by their boss, by their spouses, by their kids, by the news, by the gossip, all that crap can distract you just as much if you don't know how to be indistractable. So there will be two kinds of people in the world, people who let their lives and attention be controlled by others and people who say, no, I will control my attention, I will control my life because I have learned these techniques to become indistractable. So did, how do you really plan your day? Like, do you make a to-do list or is there other, any other techniques or tools that you use to really plan your day out? Yeah, so I, I do plan every minute of my day and that's an important technique when it comes to making time for traction. It's used, I use this technique called time boxing and in fact, I'll, I'll give you a link that you can put into the show notes. Yeah, I'll do. I actually built a free tool anybody can access uh, that basically you build a template for your ideal week. And so this is where you turn your values into time. You literally put what is important to you? How much time should I spend on myself, right? Get uh, uh, Spending time getting healthier, you know, preparing healthy food, exercising, feeding your mind with new information, new knowledge, new wisdom. That's stuff you have to put on your calendar or it's not going to happen. How much time do you spend with your family, your relationships? How much time do you spend in the different tasks at work? You know, if you don't plan that time, somebody's going to plan it for you. So I'll give you this link to this template that you can build. And the idea isn't, you know, to beat yourself up if you don't uh, do every single thing that, per the minute that you planned it. The idea is now you have a template to look at and say, ah, now I see where I got distracted. Because here's the thing. I want you to remember, you cannot call something a distraction unless you know what it distracted you from. So if I can't see on your calendar that's what you wanted to do with your time, you have no right to say you got distracted because you didn't plan your time. Everything is a potential distraction. <laughs> so that's a super important technique is to plan that time with intent. By the way, I'm not one to judge what you do with that time. If you want to play video games all day, great. If that's what you plan to do and that's consistent with your values, I'm not going to tell you that's a bad value to have. You should do whatever it is you want to do with your time. But do it with intent. Don't do it because the game designer planned for you to do it or your boss you know, plan for that's the way you should spend the time when you wanted to spend it with your kids or whatever it is. Plan your time with intent. That's how you make sure you become indistractable. Uh, so one of the things that, you know, you have um, discussed, we have discussed earlier on this episode is about habits versus uh, routine, right? Um, I'm sure like people out there who are listening to us would like to change their habits. For example, let's say if somebody want to make that big commitment to bring that new habit in their life or change the uh, change the habit, then that would really be difficult. So you talk about progressive 
extremism, right? So maybe you can uh, mm. uh, throw a bit of light on that and how people can use that to make those changes in habit. Progressive extremism uh, is this idea that we want to take steps which are relatively easy, but that we do for the rest of our lives. Mm. So the idea is that you want to excise one thing from your life, but forever and ever. Okay. So let me, in, in my case, I said, I will not drink sugary beverages at home, right? That's pretty incontroversible, but everybody knows that sugar is not good for you. Okay. Uh, so that's a pretty safe territory. There's not a lot of, there's, there's pretty much no doctor that says we should be drinking more sugar. <laughs> so. I had this bad practice of drinking sugary drinks. And so I said, no more sugary drinks at home forever for the rest of my life. Then I gave it some time. Okay. Then I said, but by the way, I could have a sugary drink outside the home. I could have it in a restaurant, right? But not in the home. Then after a few months passed, but I wrote this down, by the way. Then after a few months passed, I said, okay, what am I ready to do next? What's the next thing I'm ready to excise from my life forever? By the way, this was easy. Mm -hmm. Okay, it has to be easy. If you go extreme, it's going to be very difficult to keep this. Okay, you have to start with something that is easy for you to remove from your life. So for me, okay, fine. I won't have a Coke at home. I'll only have Coke outside the home. That was the first step. But forever, for the rest of your life, because remember- wow. You know, diets don't work because they're temporary, mm. which is so stupid. I, the idea of saying, oh, I'm going to get, you know, I'm going to get in shape in 30 days or 60 days or 90 days, or I'm going to get in shape for my wedding. We, we all know what happens when people get in shape for the wedding. What happens 30 days later? They've gained it all back. So true. <laughs> because yeah. they, they haven't, they haven't changed their lifestyle. So are they surprised that they're, that the way they looked before it comes right back? If you don't change your lifestyle for good, why would you want a temporary diet? It has to be a permanent thing that you do. By the way, you can apply this technique for anything, right? For how you spend your money, course fitness, how you spend time with others. You can do all kinds of things with this progressive extremism technique. The idea is to change one thing that's easy to change for the rest of your life. And then when you're ready, take the next step. And it can be as long as you need to take that next step. Just don't do it in extremes. Take it, you know, one, uh, you know, one small step at a time, but for the rest of your life. This is such a beautiful model and I love that and I'm so looking forward to your uh, book, Nir. Right from starting with mastering your internal triggers and those urges to just get distracted and just trying to identify the root cause and then you know going to the step number two, which is like blocking the time for the traction, which means the kind of work mm -hmm. and the projects that you want to do and how you are going to make time for those, right? And then the step three is hacking back the external triggers, like the example that I have given in my own case, like turning notification off for every single app out there on your phone so that you just don't get those rings and dings and pings, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and the fourth step is pre-commitment, like committing, uh, you know, beforehand. And one of the examples that you have given, and, you know, we discussed is about Focusmate and, uh, mm -hmm. and, you know, one of the things that you have done to write your book, why don't you go ahead and say what you have done as a pact to write this book in this indistractable yeah, so this is this is an example of a price pack. There's actually three types of packs. There's effort packs, price packs, and identity packs. And the example you're talking about in the book uh, is I, I actually made a bet with a friend of mine, Mark. I bet him $10,000 that I would finish my book by January 1st. And let me tell you, I met that bet. <laughs> right? I kept my money, right? right? Because that, that pack, that pre-commitment, 
made me do what I wanted to do. It prevented me from getting distracted. Uh, and of course, I kept my money and I had my book finished. So it was wonderful. Now, again, big warning here. Don't do this before you do the other three. If you take that step, if you make a pre-commitment you're gonna before lose that. you've done the other three, you're going to be in big, big trouble. That's so. This is the advanced section of the book, the, the pre-commitment. So make sure you do the other steps first. Awesome. Uh, we have come to an enlightening round. I'm just going to quickly throw you some questions. So your book has you know, inspired a lot of people and uh, whether that's in developing product with your first book, and I'm sure that this book, Indistractable, it's the... Uh, it's something that you know I needed, and I'm, I, I already said in the you know beginning that I came across your book in the right time because I need it so bad that you know I'm so looking forward for the book. Um, so Neer, what inspires you to do everything that you do? Uh, curiosity. I think uh, that's what I follow when it comes to the projects I work on, the businesses I invest in, uh, the articles I write. It's really about following my curiosity. All right. So which one daily habit or shall I say which one daily ritual do you believe has been game changer for you in your success journey? I think it's really been about writing. Uh, it's a routine. It's not a habit. Yeah, <laughs> It's a routine. Yeah. But writing, you know, I think it is such a scarce practice these days. Time to think, time to reflect. Uh, it is a superpower and few people realize they have that power. Could you share a book or two that has influenced you personally in the recent past? Oh my gosh, there's so many books that have uh, influenced me. Uh, wow, you know, this is a tough question because I have so many uh, author friends that get <laughs> mad at me if I... <laughs> I mean, I'll give you a few. Yeah. Um, uh, Richard Feynman is, is a hero of mine, so surely you're joking. Mr. Feynman's a great book. Uh, I loved Gun, Germs, and Steel uh, by Jared Diamond, uh, Influence by Cialdini, uh, thinking fast, thinking slow, nudge, uh, predictably irrational was great drive lean startup. I mean, uh, dream teams was really good. Um, uh, gosh, there's so many, uh, mindset by Carol Dweck was fantastic. I could go on and on. Okay. <laughs> oh, factfulness. Yeah. That was a book I read recently <laughs> by, uh, th that was a great book. Factfulness. I recommend that one as well. Yeah. So that's the least for the rest of your year guys. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, um, uh, if you have to start this all over again, what are those few things that you would have done differently? Uh, maybe, you know, tweak, uh, maybe would have known earlier. You know, it's, it's, that's a really hard question to answer because it's because of the mistakes that I made that I'm able to have the perspective I had today. So it's kind of a recursive question, right? It would be impossible for me to be where I am if I hadn't made the mistakes I made in the past. Um, I think probably one pretty good piece of advice, um, is to uh, maybe not take things quite so seriously. I, I tend to be more serious than I need to be. And I need to remind myself that in the big picture, none of this matters. None of it, right? Sure. Um, so it's it's good to keep things in perspective. Yeah, I like uh, what Jay said. He says, like, I think that's 555 rule. I mean, if, if, it, if it's not going to matter in another five years, then just don't worry about that more than five minutes. All right. Uh, no, so that's, I think, that's a great yeah. perspective. And, and even bigger than that, I mean, look, you know, we're just a little blue marble in a huge black vacuum floating in space. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, there's, there's, <laughs> but for anybody listening to this show, there are so much bigger problems in the world than what we could possibly uh, be dealing with for the most part. So sure. uh, I think keeping perspective is, is always a good idea. Um, so could you share some online tool or app that you use on a regular basis um, to help you in 
becoming better organized or disciplined or maybe you know just uh, uh dealing with the distractions in general yeah so there's i'm just looking at my cell phone here so i could answer that question for you so there's a lot of tools that i'd recommend so uh an app that helped me got, get in shape just to give you one is an app called fitbod uh, they actually use the hook model to build a habit of exercising in the gym, and it's fantastic. I actually wrote an article about three years ago called Why Your Fitness App is Making You Fat because I was so frustrated by how many apps in the fitness and health category were just awful, and FitBod is the exception. They've done a really great job of, of helping people film, uh, form this habit of what to do in the gym. It's not for getting you off the couch. It's for people who go to the gym and don't know what to do, which was me uh, when I when I found this app. So it's it's been great. I, I really uh, it's been very very helpful. Great, Neer. We have come to an end of the interview, but before that, uh, you know, I have one more question left for you. But before sure. I ask you that question, uh, if people would like to reach out to you, um, you know, read those blogs and you know, mm-hmm. or maybe get in touch with you and learn more about you and your work, uh, what would be the best possible way to reach out to you? Yeah, so my book, Indistractable, uh, if you go to indistractable.com, that's I-N-D-I-S-T-R-A-C-T-A-B-L-E, indistractable.com. Uh, and there you'll find resources and tools, uh, all kinds of stuff that you can, you can get that's supplementary to the book. There's a lot of stuff I couldn't put in the book that I wanted to that I just didn't have room for. Uh, it'll be available around the world on October 10th 2019 i believe uh is is the is the date when it'll be uh, throughout the commonwealth so you can can get it all over the world and uh if you want to see my writing on my personal blog it's near and far near and far but near is spelled like my first name n-i-r and far.com how does that domain name came by the way like i love well so so near is not a very common name in the united states and so i would get made fun of a lot uh (laughs) and one of the things that people called me as a a kid i'm talking you know in grade school here was near and far near and far and so i actually (laughs) thought uh it's kind of sticky right it helps people remember my name yeah Yeah. cool imagine near because you are doing a lot of talks now and your TED talk, I really love that. And I highly encourage guys, you know, check his TED talk. And he is all over LinkedIn, you know, pumping out a lot of content and blog. Like, as he said, he has been writing for 10 years. Good luck with catching up with all his articles. <laughs> but um, let's imagine that you are uh, standing on a stadium. And this one is the largest stadium that has ever been built in the history of the world. And uh, this stadium has got a capacity to hold millions of people and every single uh, seats on this stadium is occupied and there are these people eagerly and passionately waiting to listen to what you have to say and you have been given only one minute of the time to share the most important lesson that you have learned in your life what would be your message Wow, you're really throwing me an easy question here. Thanks a lot. <laughs> that's a tough one. Um, you know, I just I'll, I'll, something that's top of mind for me is to look for the root cause of problems. That it is so easy to think in a lazy way. <laughs> it's it's uh, I heard somebody call it low fidelity thinking. That most people they just see the surface. They see things, you know, they see the, the, the big, bright, shiny ideas that look good. But if you dig below the surface, when it comes to real challenges, really important issues, there's always more to it, right? Whether it's in politics, 
uh, whether it's, uh, you know, when it comes to this topic of distraction, whether it's other understanding other people in the world, it's never good versus evil. It's never good versus evil. You know, if you want good versus evil, go watch Star Wars. That's not the real world. The real world is that people are complicated and that there are oftentimes deeper answers that we need to be empathetic enough to actually go find real truth as opposed to thinking that we understand everything because we understand really very little. It has been phenomenal conversation with you, Nir. Thank you so much for your time. And I really enjoyed having this conversation with you. And I'm sure the ideas that you have shared on this episode is going to help me become indistractable. And I'm so looking forward to your book. And guys, uh, you know, go and pre-order his book, Indistractable. And that's going to help you a lot to claim back your time and focus on what matters the most in your life. And after all, it's all about working on things that matters. As as Nis said earlier, on the larger grand scheme of things, those smaller distractions stuff doesn't matter. What matters is that you focus and work on something that truly matters and give something back to the universe or to the world. So thank you so much, Nir, for being here. My pleasure. This was great. Thank you so much for having me. Hey friend, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Inspiring Talk. I hope you got some inspiration or learned something. If you did, make sure to share this message with your friends by visiting theinspiringtalk.com forward slash 71. That is theinspiringtalk.com forward slash 71. You can access all the links and resources we have discussed about this episode on that link. Also, don't forget to connect with me on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at the rate Bizet Speaks. And let me know what you think about this show. Thank you for listening. I'll catch you in the next. Now, go out there and do something inspiring. Inspiring.